Hello and welcome to Locked On St. Louis Cardinals, your daily podcast covering all things Cardinals baseball, brought to you live from Bush Stadium today, Saturday, April 21st. My name is Jeff Jones, accompanied alongside in person today for the first time by Brendan Schaefer. Brendan, what a fun baseball game. What's up, Jeff? This is kind of cool because I can actually see you. We're like in the same room. This is very different for yeah, us. Yeah, it's different. Hopefully this is something we'll be able to do for the majority of the podcast going forward. Uh, when we're both down here for home games at Bush Stadium. But yeah, what a game uh, for the Cardinals today. A roller coaster game in which they they look like they had it on lock from a couple of early home runs. And then weirdness happens with the bullpen following the really good Carlos Martinez start. And then it's Jordan Hicks who finds a way to get all the way to the end to earn his first major league win. A lot happened in this game. I don't know if we can all if we can condense it all into twenty or twenty five minutes today. And, and and the thing is too, it didn't seem like a game where a lot was going to happen. As you mentioned, the Cardinals jump out to an early three nothing lead, uh, and that pretty well sustained them throughout the game until the seventh inning when you had Tyler Lyons come on to uh, to, to try to shut down the Reds after Lou Gregerson gets a couple of quick outs to start that seventh uh, base hit given up, and then Lyons comes on with three hitters of four in a row there as left-handers and does not record an out. Three singles and a walk in four batters for Tyler Lyons before he gives way to Jordan Hicks, who then dominated the final seven outs of the game. So, yeah, you know, the the, the energy, I think, in this game was interesting. Uh, at, at no point in this game did it feel like the Cardinals were truly in danger of, of falling behind or, or giving this game away. But at the same time, it did take a Yadier Molina home run in the seventh, and it took Jordan Hicks pitching into and then out of trouble in the ninth to uh, to, to secure a win. The Cardinals now 12-8 and eight on the season. That's 600 baseball, half the wins against the Reds. Six of the 12 wins on the season against the Cincinnati Reds. You'll take it, though, and especially with the Reds playing as poorly as they are. Like, I keep saying the Reds aren't going to be this bad the entire season, like they've won three out of what twenty or nineteen games or something. I think, yeah, it was three and seventeen. Yeah, I so three out of twenty. We can do the math on that if we want to on it's the not pace, great. but it's not going to be pleasant for. I think that's like twenty-one and one forty, right? It's a, it's a fifteen percent winning yeah, percentage. That is, that's right? twenty-one so, yeah. and one forty, and then you can give or take the last game. So they're not going to be that bad. But for the Cardinals, you have to feel good about the fact that you're playing them while the Reds are playing that bad. Yeah. And, and for real, the, the different swings that went on in this game, for a while I was convinced that the story of this game was going to be what happened in that, that inning where you start with Gregerson and then you go to Lyons. And it was clear that Tyler Lyons did not have his stuff, and yet he's allowed to face better number two, number three, number four. Whereas Gregerson, he got two guys out and only gave up one. But I thought it was interesting after the game that Mike Matheny kind of shed some light on that to where I was baffled by the decision beforehand, but then after – while I still might have disagreed with some of the thought processes, at least I understood that it wasn't really a situation of didn't believe in Gregerson. It was from the start of the, the inning, Mike Matheny planned to right. go to Lions once he got once Gregerson got through the righties in the part of the order. Yeah, it didn't even really cross my mind at the time when 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 he went to Lions after Gregerson gave up the hit. That to me seemed like the logical move, kind of in a vacuum. The thing that sort of that hangs over that decision is that Lions pitched yesterday and threw 17 pitches yesterday in that game, and so uh, wasn't going to have his best stuff. And Mike Matheny said after the game that he thought that maybe they had pushed Lions a little too far, which I think is probably an acknowledgement that if he had that to do over again, he would not have gone with that with, with that same roster decision. You know, the Cardinals with only one left-hander in the bullpen here. I, I mentioned this when Lions came into this game today. 
He's now pitched in 12 of the Cardinals' 20 games so far this season. That's a pace of 97 appearances on a season. That's that's a big ask for Tyler Lyons. With no Brett Cecil, with Ryan Sheriff with the broken toe, he's had to take on a lot of you know a, a lot of difficult assignments here. And you know while while playing the Reds early is good, obviously in some ways, the challenge of playing the Reds is that there are some left-handed bats in that lineup with Votto and with Jeanette. Uh, and, and, and so. If you're Lions, you're appearing in a lot of those games. To, to say nothing of the Cubs with Rizzo. And and so uh, without another left-hander, it's a tough stretch for him. Yeah, and I was kind of glad to hear Matheny's explanation. I felt better about it than I did before just because when you're up there watching it and watching the at-bat against Votto where it was it was clear you don't want a guy like Joey Votto to be able to beat you, but he, he, he gives up that walk where he's not retired a batter. And then to face the fourth guy, I thought just didn't make any sense at all Matheny still said, you know, that at the time that was Tyler's spot. But, yeah, recognizing that a day game after a night game, the guy pitched 17 pitches the day before, an inning and a third. And and, and I think the good news with that is that pretty soon you're going to be getting some other lefties back in the mix. Ryan Sheriff, who had the broken toe, should be going out on a rehab assignment soon, according to John Mosellock yesterday. And then Brett Cecil, hopefully not too far behind. And so uh, if the Cardinals can just navigate this next week or week and a half without – having that second lefty. I think now, though, when you look at the roster, it's going to be important that whichever lefty is healthy first, that guy probably has to stick around. Even if it is Ryan Sheriff, and even if you do need the roster spot, looking a little bit ahead, I think that could be a situation where maybe Tyler O'Neill goes back down because maybe you need that eighth man yep. in the bullpen at that time because, yeah, Lions has been asked to do a lot lately. Yeah, and, you know, the, the, the challenge when it comes to that roster spot especially is the Cardinals are sort of out of obvious places in the bullpen. So, yeah, I agree with you that if you're going to stick with seven pitchers, it's going to be pretty hard to find a spot for a, a guy like Sheriff when he comes back. And I think that going back down to uh, to four bench players would probably make sense at that point. Uh, the, the contrast to Tyler Lyons uh, and his struggles yesterday and to Gregerson coming out of the game quickly today – Jordan Hicks allowed Can't to pitch two enough. and a third. A oh. tremendous day for Jordan Hicks. I, I, I thought it was, I don't know, there are, there are a number of inflection points in this ballgame where I thought, okay, that's it. He's going to go get Hicks now. Uh, and that was not the case. Yeah, it, so when he came in to finish the seventh inning, he got that first batter, one pitch, fly out to left field, and now you're out of the jam. And, like, let's not forget, at that point in the game, a base hit there, and now you're losing this game that suddenly seemed – you know, previously like it was so in hand. And so he's able to get out without really taxing himself very much. And so not a surprise to see him pitch the eighth. I wasn't really thinking in depth about it, but like when you consider that Bud Norris was probably not available today, having thrown so much the game before. And as Matheny mentioned after the game, the way they want to use Greg Holland did not align with the situation in this game, that it was just kind of like, that's, that's that was their plan is to give him the last two innings today and I think what allowed them to be able to do that is that he was so efficient getting that first real quick out in the seventh to finish it off but like this wasn't without it wasn't an obvious win either like but by just the narrowest of margins at first base did they get that six four three double play he didn't give up a hit but Jordan Hicks did have to fight through some stuff as you mentioned hit a batter uh, whether the ball actually hit his elbow or not, they, it, looked, they, it looked to me like they it reviewed got it. I think it did. You kind of saw the the, elbow, the the ball move direction a little bit after the fact, but he gave up some walks. But I think I was impressed by the fact that he didn't just give in to those hitters in the middle of the Reds' order. When instead of getting beat by a double, 
He navigated some walks and was able to get out of the gym with that filthy stuff that he has. Didn't strike anybody out, yeah. but the fact that he's inducing ground balls and, and the sinker that's moving so well at 101, uh, you can't you can't walk away any more impressed with Jordan Hicks than, than I already am. You, you know, mentioned that Hicks did not give in to any of those hitters in the ninth, uh, nor did Joey Votto give in. Uh, when Jordan Hicks ran him into an 0-2 count and was kind of all around the plate. There was, I thought, there was a pretty interesting conversation uh, in, in the media room in the postgame about that at-bat for Votto, and I'm curious what you thought about it, because there, were, what, there are two competing schools of thought here, the one being that at-bat is a win for Votto. He manages to get on base, uh, extend the game a little bit, gives the Reds, you know, give, gives them an opportunity to, you know, he, he doesn't hit into an out, basically. The other school of thought there is that with two on and one out, if you're Joey Votto and you have Scooter Jeanette as the guy hitting behind you, is he obligated to try to turn one of those pitches from Hicks around? I, they, I, I'm, I, it's a curious thought. It didn't even, it didn't even cross my mind that the at bat may have been bad for the Reds because Votto got on base. But uh, I think the argument that maybe in that spot the Reds are better off if Votto takes a shot is kind of compelling. It's definitely compelling, and it's why I think baseball is so freaking cool because the, the, I, I can see both sides of that argument. I have to probably, I probably land on the side of the fence that says. Joey Votto expanding his zone in that spot for a pitch that he probably couldn't do a whole lot with right. if it's not in the strike zone might not be the best decision. And the fact that he's not hitting right very well right now as it is, the, the best he can do is is get on base via walk, perhaps. Yeah. And so I had no – from the Reds' perspective, I have no problem with Joey Votto going out and, and putting together that type of at-bat, uh, which Joe Trezza was talking about, just a fascinating at-bat, uh, the, the dueling skills between Hicks – and Votto in that moment. That's that's part of what makes baseball a pretty cool sport. For sure, yeah. And, you know, if you're the Reds, I, I agree with you that Votto, who's already sort of not going well, the, the, the fact that Votto has Jeanette behind him is not a reason for him to make himself into a worse hitter. If Votto knows better than anyone uh, where his zone is and what he's going to be able to do. And so even if it's Scooter Jeanette hitting behind you and you're Joey Votto, I, I tend to agree that it's probably not a good policy to try to force the issue there. Because, yeah, you're, you're much more susceptible to hitting into a double play or otherwise you know, maybe striking out. Uh, as it turned out, you have the double play ball that finishes the game off, off Jeanette's bat either way. Uh, but, but yeah, it's, it's, it's a difficult spot for them, for sure. And it sort of it speaks to, frankly, where the Reds are at personnel-wise, I guess, that Scooter Jeanette is their cleanup hitter uh, and the guy they're counting on to protect Joey Votto. Yeah, I said after his first at-bat today, he's really going to have to hurry up if he's going to hit four home runs today. But, yes. uh, you know, that's the, the Reds are definitely, you know, when, when they started, I mentioned this, I, I said five out of seven you need to get from the Reds. Well, the Cardinals have won six out of six now. Yep. And so uh, certainly a chance to to keep keep the pressure on them with another win tomorrow and, and just collect those wins within the division. Um, but I recognize we kind of have, have touched on the bullpen and things like that. What did you think of Carlos Martinez today? Because that kind of flies under the radar with all the stuff that happened after he exited the game. And Frank, and we'll get to this too. And frankly, all the things that happened before the game even started. It was yeah. sort of a busy day at the park, uh, and Martinez falls in between. Yeah, look, Martinez now uh, with 18 consecutive scoreless innings. He has been since that first start where he seemed kind of out of sync. Has been frankly dominant. Uh, that new cutter that he has been featuring so much of the season is such a crushingly difficult pitch. I think for for, for left-handed hitters especially to handle and that's where Martinez has struggled in the past is, is dealing 
with left-handers. And, and, and again, with the Reds having so many big left-handed bats in the lineup, that's a huge deal for Martinez to have that in the arsenal. With his ERA in the first inning last year hovering at something like 5.3 or whatever it was, I always am tempted to just kind of watch a little more closely with how he navigates that inning because you often feel like if he gets through it yeah. and, and doesn't have to overtax himself very much, it's probably going to be a pretty successful outing for yeah, him. I agree. And today there was situations in that first inning where it looked as though it could turn the other direction. The first batter of the game hits a ball up the middle that Martinez makes an effort to kick to try to keep it on the infield. The shortstop was actually right behind him and right. probably would have fielded that pretty easily uh, for the out. But then you get the, the bunt to Carpenter that they advance the runner to second, and almost Jose Martinez's foot comes off the bag at first base on a poor throw by Carpenter. So, like, things were happening in that inning that you could have seen it go the other direction. But once he was able to get through that, then you say, okay, now you, you, you kind of settle in. And that's what Martinez did. 91 pitches is all he needed to get through six, and he looked great there. And as Matheny mentioned, it was just a matter of trying to get the offense going that uh, put him in the situation of taking him out at that time. Yeah, Martinez uh, with, with with the foot and, and with the concerns about the defense, all of these things sort of happening behind him does, I think, uh, highlight a pretty interesting thing about, about his pitching so far this season, which is that when he's been dialed in, uh, you know, he, he has been, I think, just about as good as, as anybody in the game could be. The challenge with Martinez has been consistently throughout spring training about him being sort of – and it's, it's always this line with Carlos Martinez where – you don't want to sort of, for lack of better, for, you don't want to infantilize the way that he looks on the mound, and you don't want to constantly be referring to his emotions because it takes away from the quality of pitcher he is. But at the same time, uh, the focus issue is one that's been a little bit consistent. And so, and it's something yeah. that he's mentioned himself. Yeah, too. for not, sure. It's not like just, you know, I think there are definitely fans that will take that too far, but it is something that he's said, I want to be better at this. So yeah. I think that's a fair thing to, to discuss when you're discussing his pitching. Oh yeah, no, I, I I agree completely. But but when he's when he is settled down, you know he he got through six uh, on about what I think it was 91, 92 yeah. pitches today. So relatively efficient. And again, never a point in this game where you felt like the Reds were really challenging. That first inning, I agree, there were a couple of rough spots. Uh, but for the most part, I, I think that Martinez got through pretty clean. The two spots that I think were interesting were later in the game, in the fifth and the sixth. Uh, the first, in the fifth inning, you have what ought to have been a sort of tailor-made double play ball hit to Paul DeYoung, where Colton Wong uh, gets re- receives the relay throw at second and appeared to have forgotten how many outs there were. That's this, what I thought to the naked eye. Now, yeah. did he, could he not grip the ball, or was that not part of it? So it was kind of hard to say. I, I asked Mike Matheny about it in the postgame, and I, I did not ask him, did Colton know how many outs there were? I think what I asked him was, you know, what happened with that sort of awkward exchange in the fifth, and he played it off like, ah, well, you know, sometimes you can't grip the ball. That's one explanation for it, I guess. Uh, but in the sixth inning, you have just a stellar play from Colton Wong. You have a pop-up the short right. Wong tracks it down, over-the-shoulder catch. That ball, uh, according to StatCast, is a hit 61% of the time. Wong scoops it, fires, has the guy at first base by, you know, I mean, not I don't even, even think play. he was, like, retreating. Right, yeah, the, the, runner, the runner had broken for second because they were so sure. He might have been on second by that he time. He was, like, it was yeah. just the, the amount of ground that Wong covered was really impressive. He, he played, I think, a big role in this game. You know, did, did not have a hit in this game uh, with Judd Jerko back and healthy. It's going to be hard for Colton Wong to find ways to stay in the lineup. But the defensive contributions today 
were enormous. The Cardinals turned what I think it was three double plays that Wong was in the middle of on top of the uh, on the top of the sort of uh, aborted transition there at second base, and and so if he can make those kinds of contributions, I think that the Cardinals are probably content with working him in at least two or three times a week at this point. Yeah, and how about the walk off double play like that? Yeah. The, it was so darn close, and like as you're watching it happen, you're watching the runner break from third. You know he's going to score. That run is going to count if you don't get both outs there. Yeah. And for Wong in that position to just you know do what he does and make that play, uh, that was good. And you, again, I'm well, a and also Wong too, guy, so I'm I'm, right. I'm 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 seeing that, and I'm going you know that's exactly what you want to see because while you're not hitting, you got to bring something to the table. And it, the the mental lapse is not which I consider a mental lapse. I'm not sure oh, it was sure. A, a grip thing. I think he just didn't know the number of outs. Yeah, I agree. At, while those things can't happen. He found a way to make up for it, and that's important. And that double play at the end of the game as well. I mean, that's a that's a tough play for Paul DeYoung too, because that ball is kind of it's kind of bounding, kind of up on him, and he's backing into the hole uh, to make a clean scoop and then a quick relay throw. They were, it was solid defense, kind of all over the park from the Cardinals today. They've, they've for two games now in this series have played strong enough defense behind their starters. That I mean, the bats are not exactly jumping off the rack right now. The Cardinals did hit three home runs today, two of them solo shots. Uh, but you know, the offense is not putting up nine and ten runs a game. But the defense has been really strong. I feel like over these last two games. Okay, so we've done defense. We've done pitching. Let's get to what you were mentioning about some of the stuff that went on before the game that kind of relates a little bit yeah. to the lineup and the offense. Yeah. So the, uh, the the lineup posted when we get back when we get to the ballpark this morning. Uh, most notably, Matt Carpenter batting leadoff in the in in, in today's game. Obviously, with Carpenter, uh, and I, I, wrote, I wrote about this at LockedOnSTLCardinals.com this morning. You can go there and read it. Uh, Carpenter has performed well. In the leadoff spot. In his career, his OPS is in the mid-800s when batting leadoff. His OPS when batting third in the low 700s. It's a huge swing in terms of effectiveness. And the Cardinals have sort of resisted this idea that Matt Carpenter is only capable of being a leadoff hitter. And yet, today, uh, you have Carpenter in that spot. You have him with a double. You have Fowler hitting a home run from the five spot. It was interesting, I thought, that uh, Dexter Fowler this morning, when he was asked about it, said... He didn't know that he got a text with the lineup, and that was all he knew about it. That, I thought, was curious. Uh, but Matheny in the dugout in the pregame was pretty clear. You know, he, he said that sometimes there is a psychological aspect to baseball, and sometimes you can't fight it. Is that is that the Cardinals acknowledging now with Matt Carpenter that maybe psychologically he needs to bat leadoff? Yeah, I, and we do this dance every year. Every it's really year. frustrating to me because I am in the camp of it absolutely should not matter, like, the stats should not be what they are. Yeah, it like doesn't, it, right. it doesn't it make sense. It befuddles me because it, it shouldn't make a difference. But because of the fact that it does, they end up, after a month of the season, switching it back. But i got to say, I actually think more so than where Carpenter bats, I like Dexter Fowler batting lower in the lineup. I agree. In that fifth or sixth range where he can – I mean, I don't know that there's – again, is it the psychological aspect? What is it? But I feel comfortable with him being kind of that RBI producer guy – who's also going to get on base for you a decent amount, but he'll hit some homers, he'll hit some doubles, and he'll have, you know, whether it's 65 or 70 RBIs like he did last year. Yep. I think that kind of could work for this team. Uh, but, uh, yeah, it's the Carpenter thing is weird. I want, I'm want i going to put you on the spot, though, yep. and I'll do the same thing, and I'll give you a minute to think about it if you need it. But fully healthy, the, the, everybody right. on this roster, What? how do you put the lineup out? What's your order? 
Um, I, I think you probably, if, if it were me, I would say Carpenter, Pham, Martinez, Ozuna. Here's where I get stuck. Yachty has six home runs this year, yeah. which is ridiculous. Ozuna, He's like two behind uh, Molina, Bryce Harper. Fowler, DeYoung, Jerko or Wong, and then Whoever the pitcher. Plays. I think. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I think it's where you're at. Here's a thing that I'm gonna I'm gonna trace it back to yesterday, and I I would like to see them pursue this a little bit. I don't know I, you're going. Here. I want to see a little more of Tommy Pham batting leadoff when he's healthy. Yeah, so I agree that that's a really interesting concept. The things that there there are two drawbacks to that that I wonder about. The first is Mad Carpenter, right? If if Carpenter has to bat leadoff, because I agree with you, that the lineup that goes, let's say, you know. Sam Carpenter Martinez yes. to me is very interesting. And I think that's where I would be. I I want to see more out of Ozuna than we've seen so far. I think he'll yeah. be fine, but is he going to land more along the lines of the player he was before last season or the player that he was yeah, last he's season? He's not going to be an almost 40 home run, almost 130 RBI guy no. for sure. I, the thing with Ozuna that, that I guess the reason I don't worry is that he has never in his career played in weather like this for an extended, like today was one of the nicest days of the season so far. And it was 66 degrees at the ballpark, right? That's a pretty different uh, environment than Marcelo Zuna is used to. Uh, the second thing that I wonder about with fan batting leadoff is his aggressiveness on the base path. I think that, do you think it's too much? I, I, I wonder about that. See, I, I don't. If, I, I love if it. Fam would exceed, and, and look, it's fun to watch for sure. Uh, but I do wonder about him as a leadoff hitter, getting on base consistently, if he would, if, if it would become too much. I want to, I don't know the numbers off the top of my head, but I want to look up like what his stolen base percentage is for his, even though for last year, this season, season, I know he has five steals and he's been caught twice. Yeah. So if that's, if you want to parse that out to be, you know, 40 steals and what would that be like 10 or 12 caught stealing? Right. Yeah. Maybe even more than that. It might be closer to 15 or 20. Where, where would I say enough is enough? Like, I would like to see Tommy Pham steal 40 bases. Sure. Is 15 caught stealing too many? Is it 12? Like, what's your number where you say, you've got to be above this, and also count when he gets picked off, because every time he gets picked off, he's trying to get that extra edge. To, to I, I'm almost fine with it where I just say, I want to see what the guy can do, and I, I've always kind of wanted to see Matt Carpenter in that two-hole they haven't done it very much. It's either been third, yep. and then they say, oh, crap, it doesn't work when he doesn't bat leadoff. Move him to leadoff. Part of me wonders if that two spot is right for him, and maybe it's Tommy Pham that would bat ahead of him. I would almost not even discount Dexter Fowler batting third or fourth. Uh, you know, Jose Martinez uncharacteristically had a bad day today. He yep. struck out a couple times. That's only like nine for the season. I think he's, I think he's but pretty I'm, banged up. I wrote right about now. him yesterday, yeah. too, and I'm in, I'm fully in his camp. Uh, I'm, in, I'm team... Jose I think Martinez, I think Jose could probably use a day off for two at this point. That is not a bad idea, that, and that I think seems... you could see that tomorrow where Carpenter plays first base, yeah. Jerko plays third, and they keep Wong or Garcia. And with an second. and with an off day on Monday too, that way you work in getting him two getting him two days in a row. Uh, I wonder as well, but maybe Molina would be able to take a day tomorrow as well. Possibility. Yeah, he's, yeah I mean, he he's not going to want to take a day. Sit, he, he doesn't for the most part. But you know, when, I I know in the past when they've had the ability to chain two off days yeah. together. They've liked that. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I think tomorrow would be a good day for Jose Martinez to take one. But yeah, no, I, I agree with you. It's just, it's that puzzle of Matt Carpenter and does he have to hit leadoff? If he does, and, that, and the thing is, if Matt Carpenter has to hit leadoff, but he's an 860 OPS guy hitting leadoff, 
then you don't have a problem. Uh, because, That's true. Because then you have Tommy Pham, you know, putting up a 900 OPS from the two-hole, and that is an awfully good-looking offense. And I, I can also live with that if, and I talked about this a lot last year and in my article yesterday for KMOV, when you look at what you get from first base, every playoff team last year got more out of first baseman yes. than the Cardinals did in the National League. And if Jose Martinez is your first baseman and he's doing what he's already done, and Matt Carpenter can give you that leadoff production from a different position, I think that matters because well, I think you've got to be able to have that that big guy in the middle of your lineup that can carry you from that first base. Spot. I know that going into yesterday's game, uh, the Cardinals had the best OPS at first at first base of any team in the league so far this season, and that has been based on the performance they've gotten out of Jose Martinez. And and so do I expect that Jose Martinez is going to finish a season with 600 at-bats hitting 370? Probably not. That's probably not very likely. How it could would be, you say that? It would be remarkable. Uh, it would be I mean, it would be literally historic to, to watch that season unfold from here. His OBP was like 443 before today, too. That's, I mean, it's like Barry Bonds' level OBP. That's, you know, again, that would be pretty good. Uh, with Fowler in the middle of the lineup, the guy that I, that I think about now when I watch Dexter Fowler, that I'd be interested to look at the numbers, see what the comparison looks like, is... Reggie Sanders, circa 05, 06. And I sort of yeah. The mid-order, con- right? The sort of high teens, home runs, low 70s I bet Sanders RBIs. had more RBIs, I want to say, but I could be wrong about it. And those, totally and those, and those were up. stronger teams, too, yeah. and I think Reggie was a slightly higher average guy. But I, I do think, I, I do wonder offensively what the comparison to those two looks like. We're running pretty short on time here. I know we got to get out of the park here shortly. Uh, Brendan, last thoughts on today's game. Uh, it, was, it was up and down. There was a lot going on, but the fact of the matter is, Cardinals got the job done against a team that they need to continue whooping up on. And they've got one more chance tomorrow, and then you, you have to start playing real teams again. But uh, certainly while you have the opportunity, it's it's fun to win these games. They haven't been dominating these games, but I'm impressed yep. by the way they found ways to win each of them. It is better than finding ways to lose. Ten wins in a row against the Reds. Six and zero against the Reds of the season. Cardinals now 12-8 and on the season. That's 600 baseball through 20 games with half the wins against the Reds. So uh, we'll see how tomorrow's series finale wraps up. There'll be another episode of Locked on St. Louis Cardinals tomorrow. For today's, for Brendan Schaefer, my name is Jeff Jones. This has been Locked on St. Louis Cardinals.